1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. I'm Emily Cott, and you are listening to Center Stage Bronx. On today's show, we have a very exciting guest, Gabrielle Beckford. Gabrielle Beckford is a New York actress from Queens. Beckford is a Ryder University alum who graduated with a BFA in musical theater in 2017. Since graduation, Beckford has been a part of many shows, including the North American tour of The Prom, Hairspray, and Aida at Pagosa Springs Center for the Arts, and most recently her role as Rapunzel in the original Broadway cast of Once Upon a One More Time. How are you doing today, Gabrielle? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So we're just going to start off with just a few questions about where you got started in your career. So first, what got you into being a performer? Well, I started singing in church, singing, acting, dancing in church, didn't take it any seriously. And then I first went to school for visual arts when I was in elementary school. I was intrigued by that, like painting and sculpting. And then when I went to junior high school, there was this team called a dance theater troupe. And I was like, ooh, I want to be part of this. So that's how I got exposed to dance. And that made me want to pursue the performing arts. So then I started auditioning for performing arts high schools with mainly being a dance major in mind. And then I got into my top choice, which was Gramercy Arts High School. It was this new arts high school, very small. It was two floors in the Washington Urban Campus on um, by Union Square in the city. And how I got into theater was my freshman year, I sang at the talent show. And the woman who was in charge of the musical theater department, she came up to me right after and said, why didn't you tell me you could sing? And I said, <laughs> and she said, you're going to audition for the musical next year. I was like, hmm? She said, okay, good. So literally the next year she came down the hallway and said, you're auditioning for the musical, right? I'm like, yeah, 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 I'll audition. And the musical was Hair, the high school version, of course. And um, <laughs> she cast me as Dion. And I never forget that first day of rehearsal. I had that, you can call it cliche, that movie moment where you're like, oh my God, I can't see myself doing anything else but this. And since then, I loved performing and I wanted to pursue it as a career. She actually helped me audition for colleges and writer was my top choice. <laughs> and I got in. And the rest is history. But that's how it, my story went. What was it like stepping up on the stage for the very first time back in high school? Ah, nerve wracking, of course very nerve-wracking because you know you're doing it in front of like a big audience but then once you're in it the nerves just go away and you're just like enjoying yourself and enjoying sharing whatever gifts or talents you have that you love to do and showcase in front of so many people who are receiving it so out of the three things singing acting or dancing what is your favorite i grew up singing so singing is tender has a tender place in my heart but as I became more of a performer and understood the actor that Gabrielle Beckford is, acting and singing become entwined. Yeah. So <laughs> it's still like those two. I could dance, but you know, acting and singing first. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of influences did you have in regards to performing growing up? Like, was there like a famous like celebrity you looked up to, any of your teachers or just anything like that? Mm. You know, what's interesting. I didn't have many inspirations or influences that looked like me. Uh, but 
as I started going into the end of my my high school experience into college is when I started looking at people like Sasha Allen because of, you know, hair was my first musical. So then I'm like, oh my God, look at this iconic black woman who <laughs> has such a powerful voice. Woo! And then Audra McDonald, I looked at for a little bit, especially with, honestly, my favorite version of Annie when she was um, in that um, production of, what, which one was it? Was it 2000? 2000? The 2000 version of Annie. Mm -hmm. um, Audra McDonald was in it. And um, yeah, since then, now later you're starting to see like Lupita, Cynthia Erivo's, um so many, not so many, but more yeah. people of color and women of color and women of my pigment are starting to be showcased more. Viola Davis, Angela Bat, like, you know, it's, it's beautiful to see that replicated both on film and stage. So now I'm starting to get more influences that look like me and inspirations that look like me. So the next question that I have is, what is the biggest challenge you face as a performer starting off and now? Starting off, I'll say not seeing me yeah. in the room, not seeing a lot of representation in the room or being that one or two people of color in a cast full of a different dynamic or different ethnicity or ethnic group than me. That was really difficult sometimes because it's like, okay, I just feel like, you know, number yeah, one. Yeah, you felt like uh, underrepresent, like upper, upper, underrepresented. Yeah, so definitely that starting. Um, and then moving forward, honestly, because I've become so secure in myself as an artist and I love what I bring to the table, what I love the most or what could be a struggle is the audience reaction like say with theater, because they're the fourth wall. They're the fourth element that you need. And if they're not giving you anything sometimes, it's so hard to feel like- How do you oh, deal with that? Like when the audience like isn't giving you what you like need to keep going, how do you like combat that? Oh, we play with each other on stage. <laughs> We're like, okay, they're not giving it to us. Let's give it to each other. I love it's that. Like, okay. <laughs> I see you're like hyping but, yeah. each other up. I love that. Yes. Absolutely. Like we root for each other on the That's sides good. of the stage or even like on that. stage. Yeah, it's so fun. So in your eyes, what do you think being a performer takes as far as skills, attitude, personality, and just like other traits overall? Um, self-awareness. I'd say that like know who you are, which means don't fall into the trap of comparing yourself. Do not yeah think that your journey is supposed to go like the person next to you, the people who I became close with in this industry, our journeys are completely different. And that is perfectly fine because everyone's journey is supposed to be different. And you're just supposed to trust that your path and your gifts, there is going to be a specific role lined up for you. And once you know that within yourself, like the sky's the limit. It's like, okay, I'm going to bring my authentic Gabrielle Beckford self into each room and they can receive it how they want to receive it. But all I know is that I brought it to the table and I feel so proud about it. So I feel like that's the root of it. And then that also speaks to how you sing, how you tackle a song or tackle a scene. You make it your authentic self. And that makes the difference. They don't want to see everybody trying to be like the next person. They want to see your interpretation of it. And that's what gets you jobs. That's what gets them remembering you. So I think that's important. What kind of roles are your like most favorite to play? And what's, I guess, like the most challenging and your least favorite to play? Ooh. 
I've I've lucked out. I don't think I've had a least favorite. If anything, I'm not. I don't feel like I'm used the most when I'm in R. I'm doing everything to my fullest potential artistically when I'm, you know, in an ensemble role or a background role. You know, I'm just stuck to being our catering to what's being on the forefront because you have to support who's in front of you and who's leading the show, which is a very important part. But I do love having a role and being showcased and then taking my own twist and tweak on things and showcasing the gifts that God gave me for the audiences that come to see us. So my favorites, one of them was Yolanda in Crowns. It actually was my first equity job. (laughs) I did it at um, the McCarter Theater and the Long Wharf Theater. And that was such a beautiful experience because, again, I saw so much representation in the room. It was an all-Black cast, music team, director, costume designer. It was so beautiful to see so much representation on such a beautiful platform and a professional platform. It was really a special experience. And I got to delve deeper into who Gabrielle Beckford was as an actor. I worked with Regina Taylor and she helped bring out so many parts of me that I did not know existed. And I was like, ooh, this was the beginning of Gabrielle Beckford's exploration of who she was going to be as an actress. And then, of course, my next Rapunzel. (laughs) I have to. It was my Broadway debut. It was such a gift to be able to originate a role on this platform. That that sounds so special. Yeah, it was such a gift. And yeah, because I got to bring myself to this iconic princess, Rapunzel, and it be received in such a beautiful way and still be accepted and still be seen as correct. And yeah, yeah, it was a gift. (laughs) It really was. (laughs) But so that's all the time we have for this very first segment. But we'll be back with more Center Stage Bronx after these underwriting announcements only on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. I'm Emily Kai, and we are back with Center Stage Bronx. So since you are a Ryder alum, what kind of roles did you play at Ryder? Ooh. So my first ever show at Ryder was um, I understudied Sheila in A Chorus Line. What a time, man. That was my first audition, (laughs) college audition. It was so much fun, but so intense. Um, How was it intense? How do I describe it? It's just, I guess, how they put us in the room and like how they showcased everything to us and how they set up the audition. It did feel a lot more intense than auditions that I go to outside of school, which honestly, I thank Ryder for because those literally college auditions were the most intense auditions of my entire life. So when I go into the film, I'm like, okay, they're not, they're not that intense. I'm like, you know, serious. But I thank, I thank Ryder for that. They really prepared me for going out into the real world. So I'm like, okay, I'm not as like I used to be in school going into the audition rooms. But yes, a chorus line was one. And then after a chorus line, we did Merrily, we roll along. Um, and then I got my first role when we did um, All Shook Up. I played, um, what's her name? Oh my God, I'm blanking. Sylvia, <laughs> Sylvia, <laughs> Sylvia. 
I played Sylvia and it was it was my first role at Ryder and it was so lovely to have that experience. It was my sophomore year. Oh yeah, man, that was so fun. Um, what else did I play? I was in this lovely play, um, She Kills Monsters, um, that we did during my senior year. I did a showcase. They had a showcase, um, a doo-wop musical kind of like showcasing song. Oh, that sounds so fun. Cabaret, cabaret, cabaret. Oh, yes. that's, yeah, that's fun. But yeah, I've been pretty, pretty fortunate to be on the writer stage, both Yvonne and um, what's the other one? It's the what's one the in the, the BLC. Yeah, the BLC stage. The, the mm, Ludeki? Yeah, the Bart Ludeki <laughs> Center stage. Yes. But yeah, I've, I've been pr privileged to be able to perform on both stages at Ryder. So that was really good. During your time at Ryder, did you find it difficult to juggle being a student as well as a performer? Not difficult. It was tasking. Yeah. I, I would say I'm always a person of order. I like to be organized with my time. So I literally love to plan out what I needed to do. I'm like, okay, I want to have fun and I want to do shows and I want to do my homework. So I'm like, all right, prioritize what you got to do. Get it done so you can have fun, do what you got to do, live life as a college student and make sure you're doing the best you can on these stages and in your curriculum. So yeah, it's all about time management. And that's one thing I appreciate about dorming because yeah. it trains you to be a baby adult. And it gives you the steps you need to be like, okay, let me figure out the type of adult or type of way I want to be when I get out of this platform. And it's okay to make certain mistakes in college because you're easily forgiven versus making them outside. So make all the mistakes you need to make in college. So then you know what you need to do. You know the answers, at least to some extent. And then go out into the real world and live. Yeah, I definitely feel like college, it's like a good like preparation phase for like being in the stages of adulthood versus being in the stages you're still a student and a just teenager overall. Right. So if you were able to do one thing differently during your time at Ryder, what would it be and why? Oof. I would have printed more headshots because <laughs> we were so um, spoiled. We had um, this the printing center and they had great quality headshots that you could print out on matte paper. Now that you're in the real world, it charges an arm and a leg to print out some headshots. I'm like, oh, miss it. But honestly, I feel like I really did everything that I wanted to do in college. I made sure as an art student, like you do have your time to make for art, but also make time to live your life exactly. as a college student. Because that's what you grasp from when you go into these rooms and you take on scripts, you have to bring, that's part of bringing yourself. You have to bring your life experiences. And what are you going to bring if you haven't experienced life outside of theater? So I made my friends outside of theater. I didn't, I didn't room in the, um, in the theater um, dorm, which is, if you do it, still great. Um, but I, I like that I didn't so that I got to see people outside of my yeah, field. Yeah, that's nice. And connect with them and have different relationships outside of theater as well as in theater, you know? So I had that nice mixture, which was really beneficial for me, I feel. Okay, great. So what kind of techniques did you learn during like Rider that like helped you for the real world, like in your careers and jobs that you do now? Like, what kind of skills from your classes did you take with you that you found, like, the most helpful? Oh. Um, 
our acting courses, definitely I had um, the certain books be read, like Uta Hagen, those certain techniques, like how to wake up, how to go through a door, like how to, you know, listen to someone. Like you think it's so simple and you're like, <laughs> wait, when you think about it too much and you're like, let me act like I'm listening. No, just listen to someone and like, like, you know, have some intention behind it. Like those little nuances and techniques I add to my interpretations of scripts that I take into the room. Um, for um, dance, catching on to choreography, like I've been able to catch on to choreography even quicker and quicker and quicker nowadays. And I know how to work my body and do what works best for my body when I go to each room, you know? Warming up. Oh, vocal warm-ups. Oh, my vocal coach, Linda Baker Grimm. Love that woman to no end. The vocal techniques that she's taught me, I still use today and it works like butter. So yeah, Ryder really helped me tap into the technical aspects that help you last and sustain in this industry, which is a very important part, especially in theater. So how different is your schedule versus like while you were like in a play in, in Ryder versus now? Like how different um, is the schedule? So at Ryder, your rehearsals start after classes. So it's like night versus when you're in the real world, it's day, it's your nine to five. So like say your rehearsal starts at 10 a.m., you're done at five, six p.m. And that's how rehearsals would go. And then tech is relatively the same. Um, we have what you call 10 out of 12. So you have like 12 hour days. Sometimes you have eight out of 10, you have 10 hour days, but it all depends on the show for tech. But our tech experience was like two weeks. And wow. so, yeah, that's a lot of tech. <laughs> Whereas yeah. writer, you have like a weekend or like a few days to like get tech out of the way. Um, but yeah, it's definitely more sped up in college and shifted time-wise in the day tonight. And then when you're in showtime, your, your days are free and you just go to your show at night. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> my day is free. Go to the theater. If you have a seven o'clock show, go to the theater. I go there for five o'clock, depending on makeup. Yeah. Each show is different. They require different things, but I don't like to rush. I like to sit, do my makeup, breathe, go do my job. <laughs> but yeah, that's the real difference of um, real life. You don't have to balance school. Like you yeah. can take classes, but during rehearsals, it's hard to do that because you're rehearsals are during the day but say when the show is open you can do classes during the day if you want to which I've saw a lot of my castmates do so do you have harsher deadlines like as far as just like rehearsing and all that stuff goes back at Ryder or were they like harsher in the real world ah well you're getting paid in the real world more times than not so it's like you, it's your job, like it's your bread and butter. So you really want to make sure you're on your P's and Q's because it's less grace. You have less grace than college. Yeah. So like grace, like you have like, okay, I'm running late from class or something like that. Like they can be a little more forgiving in school versus the real world. It's like, oh no, you'll get fined if you're late after a certain number of times. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or, oh, you want to be late after half hour, 15 minutes or so? The understudy is going on. You're not going on. Like it's, it's cut and dry when it comes to like the real world. So did you have like more, I guess like more detail-oriented professors at directors at Ryder or more detailed um, oriented professors, directors at like, let's say like in the real world? 
What do you mean by detail-oriented? Like they would pay attention to like every single detail you would make. Were they more strict, let's say in college, like preparing you for the real world or were they actually like more strict in the real world? It depends on the show. Cause certain shows I did in Ryder, they want you to be specific to what they, like the choices you make, it's what they want. Yeah. It's like, okay, I, I told you to make this choice. This is exactly what you want. Like there's not enough leeway to make for yourself. But if it's an, a show that's more so up to interpretation or you're, you're able to like bring more of yourself to it, then you can make choices and they're like, okay, I like that, but maybe let's switch this one. You know, they're more forgiving. It really depends on the show and the director. Cause some directors, they're like to the book. Yeah. And that was both in college and out of college. Some of them are really to the book and what they want. And you're like, okay. I'll, that's that's what you want for your show it's your show i'm here to be your canvas but then other shows they're more lenient so it's like okay bring yourself i also just want you to hit this mark and do what you got to do so, so it just it like all on, depends you know. on like the director and what they decide yeah because i've had both experiences both in writer and in the real world so it really depends no no director our show is the same <laughs> So we're going to cut to commercials. So we'll be back with more Center Stage Bronx after these underwriting announcements only on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. I'm Emily Cott and you are listening to Center Stage Bronx. So I'm here with Gabrielle Beckford and we are talking about her career. So next I'm going to talk about the prom and just a little bit like about that. Um, but first, I'm going to talk about how COVID affected your career. Shut down. Yeah. <laughs> there, was nothing we could do. there was nothing we could do because crowding and numbers in one space of audiences, you needed to, you need an audience for theater. And we weren't able to do that. So you saw a lot of people tapping into virtual world and like either doing virtual performances or doing their own stuff online just to, you know, feed their artistic soul, how, if you may. Like, that's what I was doing. Me and my friends, were, we made this little Instagram page called Four Black Women, and we just did iconic scenes via Zoom just to, like, you know, intrigue our artistic interests, you know, and just, like, showcase something in the yeah. arts. Because we couldn't, we couldn't do what we loved. We were really at home, and it really limited our artistic abilities in person. So in 2021, you got the prom. So what was that like, the audition process and just everything? It, I was in Mexico <laughs> when my <laughs> agent called me to film. And thank God, I was on a, a trip with my best friend. It was for her um, bachelorette trip for her wedding. And we had a presidential suite. And I said, okay, y'all go to the pool. Let me record this. I spaced <laughs> everything out, danced in the room, sang in the room. Wow. Something about the Mexican air, though. My voice was singing notes I did not sing before. I was like, okay, <laughs> thank you, Mexico. And then I got the call back. And then when I came back to the States, I did the callbacks in person. And then I got the job and we started um, rehearsals that fall. So how long were you guys rehearsing for before you guys actually had your very first show on tour? We rehearsed for about a month, about a month. And then we had a week of tech. And then we opened in October in um, Cleveland, Ohio. So besides Cleveland, Ohio, what other places did you get to travel to? So many. Cleveland, we went to Florida, we were in Orlando, Fort Lauderdale. We were in Hershey, 
um, Pennsylvania. We went to Washington, D.C., which is where we overlapped with Once Upon a One More Time when they were at um, the Signature Theater or the Shakespeare's Theater in Washington, D.C. And me and my castmates went to see that show and I literally had my jaw agape and was like, how do I get in the show? <laughs> my agent called me that week and I was like, hey, if you hear anything about this show, Once Upon a One More Time, just let me know. I'd love to be in it. And... <laughs> We continued the tour with the prom. We finished the prom, um, I believe October we finished. And January of 2023 came and I got the call to submit for Once Upon a One More Time. And February 1st, I got the call that I would be making my Broadway debut as Rapunzel. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it like? Just like, I guess your first Broadway show, how did that feel? Like, how was that different from the performances that you did previously in the shows that you were a part of? Oh, it's just uh, that magical feeling like I'm living a dream that I've been dreaming for a long time. And it's just like, oh, I'm going to be on Broadway. But it was like, am I really going to be on Broadway? Like, it didn't fully hit me. Yeah, you didn't feel that it was real. No. And then, like, things would happen. Like, the commercial came out, and then they started putting our pictures on the the marquee and stuff like that. And I'm like, I'm on a Broadway building. This doesn't make sense. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so you definitely like weren't expecting it to happen. Right. It was just, it was a gift that kept giving. And I was like, oh my gosh. And to be making a debut in such an incredible way, like I'm a principal role, like who, like that's rare. I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, thank you nothing I felt but gratefulness. I was like, and this group welcomed me because I wasn't originally in the pre-productions of the show. And for them to just welcome me with open arms and just show me nothing but love and support, I was like, oh, thank you. Like it was like a family <laughs> behind stage and then so much love we got off stage, stage door. It, it really <laughs> was special. <laughs> So what did you think of the first time you set foot on the Broadway stage? It didn't hit me until it was, we were, we were in rehearsal for our first preview. So our first audience, like paid audience. And we do this thing that this chant we do, it's called, um, someone says one more time and then the rest of us say once upon a one more time. And they oh, said- I love that. Right? And then they said, everyone making a Broadway debut, start the chant. And oh my God, I was like, one more. It was like, it enveloped me and I was just sobbing. I was like, oh my God. That's when it finally fully hit me. Like, oh my God, I'm living one of my dreams. And uh, I'm glad I cried before the show. Cause I said, I have to let it hit me before the show. I don't want to be a wreck. Yeah. The show. <laughs> but it hit me right before and I was like, okay. And then I did the show and the audience just gave us everything and then some, and they kept doing that every time they came. So many people just showed us so much love every night, every time we went through the stage door, it was, it was a dream. It really was, a, it sounds cliche, it really No, was but like you weren't expecting it to happen. Right, it was like, this came out of nowhere, like literally out of nowhere. And I'm like, okay, thank you, let's do it, let's do it. Let's have a, the ride of our life. It was really good. <laughs> so what is the show about? Just a little detail about that. Yes, so it's about 
your iconic princesses like Cinderella, Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, Little Mermaid, Princess and the Pea, Rapunzel, to name a few. And we're living our daily lives, just telling the stories to our intrigued readers before they go to bed. And we're thinking that the version of Happy Ever After that we've been, you know, um, you know, forced to believe or like trained to believe is not necessarily the happily ever after that could have been. And so when we get more exposed to that, you see more empowerment and liberation be explored throughout the, the play, the rest of the play with these princesses, and they start to break the mold or how you say shatter that glass ceiling or the I glass slipper and um, really figure out their paths in life and try to write their own stories. And it's a beautiful, fun musical, also fueled by the tunes of Britney Spears, which is insanely incredible yeah. <laughs> and so much fun to do every night. But yeah, it's it's a fun show about fun princesses finding their happy ever after. <laughs> so what was your favorite song from that musical? I loved singing Womanizer. Yes. Um, it, it, was, it was such an iconic moment. And then Rapunzel has a little feature in that number. So it's it was very fun to play on stage with that number. So how do you create, like, I guess a believable character? Like, what goes into that? Just, like, acting-wise. Oh. Bring yourself. <laughs> Bring yourself like the, like with sh with a show like this, it's a gift that you get to. You're not like having to play someone who already existed necessarily in real life. Like you're playing a fairy tale character. So you get to bring your nuances into how she would move throughout this world. Like my Rapunzel, I didn't see black Rapunzel growing up. So I got to play with aspects of like black hair and those were incorporated into the show. I love that. Right, and our writer, um, he he was very, very um, sensitive to those aspects. You know, yeah. I'm a black woman, so how can I cater to that in a respectful manner? That's exactly still like you shouldn't have to like play a character that's not you. Right. So he really paid attention to those nuances, and that pushed me to bring more of my authentic self to it. And it, I could bring more comedic elements, fun elements sassy black references which were so fun and yeah I, I you have to bring yourself like we talked about this in the other session you have to know who you are and what you want to bring to the table with certain scripts like that if they allow you to you know play and that's what keeps it real you know it's you saying these lines not someone else so, so make it you so what did you do with like scripts that like it wouldn't I guess like allow that barrier for you to be you like how did you approach them Read it, read it first and understand what the writer intended. And then like you can play a little bit with each script and nothing's ever set fully in stone, but um, as long as you're hitting the exact meaning and intent that the writer gave you and gave the script and gave the scene, which you get a lot of help from your director too, you communicate with your director, then yeah, you're golden. And there's still, you can still give subtext. You don't necessarily have to have your own lines. It's, okay, they're saying this, this is the meaning. How can I tap into this and make it subtext and mean something authentic to me? So how long did it take you for to learn the lines for 
for a show as well as the music and the choreography? Honestly, I'll say this is another gift. <laughs> I can catch on and like get off book relatively quickly. I've noticed that since college as well. Like I've been able to really memorize things rather quickly. So I'm really grateful for that. So that's going with songs and with um, scenes. And for me, I'm not necessarily a sight reader. I'm an audible learner, so I record. And then like, I'm like, okay, I'll just drill this and I can hear it for myself. And yeah, you can follow a tune, like be like, okay, I'm about to sing a high note. But I don't know. I'm not going to say, oh, that's an F sharp negative. Like, you know, mm -mm, yeah. I don't know. What that, is. Uh -uh, that ain't my ministry. <laughs> but, but I can hear. But dancing, I'm not, I'm not going to, like I told you, my singing and acting are first. So yeah, dancing, dancing comes second. It takes, a little more, it takes a little more time. But like, I do catch on to choreography, like say in an audition setting, like I can catch on to it relatively quickly. Or, you know, finesse. It's an audition. You perfect it in rehearsal. But um, it depends on the choreography, too. But I did catch it because it was some advanced hip hop they had us doing. And I was like, Whoo, I'm not an advanced hip hopper, but they took their time with us and worked yeah. it out. So like, they were patient, three yeah. Days, three days I felt confident. I was like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all the time we have for this segment of Center Stage Bronx. So we'll be back with more Center Stage Bronx after these underwriting announcements only on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. I'm Emily Cott, and we are back with more Center Stage Bronx. So the first question that I'm going to ask you in this segment is, what are your what are your career goals for the future? I want to do it all. I want to sing, act, dance. I want to do theater. I want to do film. I want to do movies. I want to do TV. I want to be on an album. Let's do it all. <laughs> Let's do EGOT. EGOT. EGOT narrative. Let's do it. <laughs> what is a dream role you would like to hopefully play someday? My dream role was always to originate a role, oddly enough. If it was a if it's a role that already exists, I would say Aida. I'd love to play Aida. I love Heather Headley, that brilliant woman. And oddly enough, Aida was my first musical I ever saw. I, I was on Broadway. It was I was five years old, uh -huh. and my sister was right, and I did have no appreciation for what musical theater was. Yeah, <laughs> but my sister was part of the Black um, Student Union at her college, and they took a trip to see it, and she brought us along. And who knew that this would be my career path? <laughs> but Aida, that would be a lovely role I'd love to do. So this next question I have, it's pretty interesting. So what do you think of the newer shows today versus mm -hmm. like older theater? More risks, um, tapping into things that we can relate to in our day and age. Um, I love seeing more diversity in these scripts and talking on different cultures. Um, it's beautiful to see so many different ethnic groups represented on this platform that we call Broadway, even off Broadway. And you're seeing these scripts that really tug at our personal heartstrings in this day of 2023. It's really beautiful to see. Like, I love my old age, golden age musicals. It's fun to have a revival, period. But it's also beautiful to see new works that break the mold of what you think tradi traditional Broadway is supposed to be, you know? So. I agree. I'm loving just, the sets we're making. Yeah, I do too. Like, I personally, I feel like 
I guess like I like the like when they reboot like old shows and just modernize them because it's like, yeah, um, classical theater is fun. Um, but like at the same time, it's like we're at the day and age where like things need to change a little bit to the times. Yes. Agreed. Okay, so what is your overall favorite role that you've ever played? Tie. Okay. It's a tie between Rapunzel, of course, on once upon one time, and then Yolanda and Crowns because Yolanda, I got to explore and figure out who Gabrielle was as an artist, and I got to really tap into her potential. And then Rapunzel, I got to showcase who Gabrielle Beckford became in this beautiful, beautiful, dynamic way. So what is what advice would you give someone who aspires to be a performer? I'll say it again. I'll say it many times. Do not compare yourself to others. That is a trap. You are enough. Your gift is enough. There is room for you in whatever space you decide to take up in this industry. I Trust me. You have no idea where your path is going to lead. Stay authentic to who you desire to be in this industry. Whether it's singing, production, behind the scenes, tech, anything, you're very important in all realms and aspects, and we need you. Trust your gift. Pursue it. And find the people alongside you who can help push you to further, you know, go into that gifting. So what is a quote that you live by on your day-to-day basis? It's actually a quote from my mother. She says, you can allow things to affect you. Don't allow things to infect you. So I use this every day. We're humans. You're going to allow things to affect you. You're going to feel your authentic feelings and they're right. But do not allow that to infect you and like become who you are and like make it influence the type of person you decide to be in your everyday life and carry that with you into everything you do. No, that's when you like are triggered. That's when... You're not living in yourself. You're just allowing nastiness to just fuel you. And that's not how you should live. Have you ever been like, has there ever been a time where you like made a mistake on stage and you felt that it was just like you were beating yourself up and it was like hard just to overcome it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like younger Gabby, if I messed up, she was bawling in the back. Now it's like, okay, it's live theater. Life happens, play. And if you made a mistake, you live to see the next scene. (laughs) Next scene, it's next scene. All right, this scene went this way, let's play. Next scene. (laughs) (laughs) Has there ever been a time where you broke character on stage? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not gonna lie, everyone has it. Like it, it, like your castmates, like sometimes we play, like especially with you doing a show every night and sometimes something new happens or a mistake happens or something and we all just ball. One time in the prom, a specific thing happened in the opening number where a line was said like gibberish and it was the iconic finishing line and we all were just oh, no. like shoulders. <laughs> and then we all at the end of it turned upstage and like so shoulders. <laughs> Like it was, but it was brilliant. And it was like one of those moments you'll never forget. And it's just so much joy and fun with it. But like anytime I broke, it's like something funny, something like we're all dying, (laughs) laughing and trying to continue. (laughs) 
So what's your favorite moment like on stage? Like I know that was a funny moment, but like what is that your favorite or like do you have another favorite moment? Oh, one thing we did, I'm not going to say which show so we don't get in trouble. Well, in a certain <laughs> show, the cast, we were like, you know, let's have fun today. So we played this game called Murder, where like if you wink at somebody, they're dead or they're the murderer. So then like all the show you saw people like, some people didn't want to get murdered. So they're just looking up for the whole show. And then other people are like, I got them, I got them, I got them. And like everyone was like, okay, let's get this person. Let's get this person. It was so fun. And the audience has no idea what's going on. <laughs> but we're just like, none but most of them winking at each other. And it's like, oh. <laughs> so playing games and having fun with your cast on stage is my favorite. <laughs> What was the hardest moment that you've ever had to go through as a performer? Mm. The hardest moment? I guess in my early acting career, when I still was figuring out who I was as an artist, and you know, you can have doubts about yourself or feel imposter syndrome which a lot of people feel and that can really like infect you and like tug at you and like eat at you away at you and then like really bring you down as a person so early gabby before she got her confidence <laughs> she she had to deal with a lot of that but I, i'm thankful that i grew out of that and learned from it and grew into this woman that i am today because yourself you can be your worst critic <laughs> and I was. <laughs> How were you able to, I guess, just like recover from imposter syndrome and just confidence? It sounds so simple, but you got to love on yourself. You got to really look yourself in the mirror and be like, mm, look, look at you. You did that. Like, <laughs> who else could do that? And it does help when other people are telling you what they see as well. And it's also affirming the goodness in you that you are trying to believe in yourself as well. So surrounding yourself in the right circles of support helps. Like, especially in this cutthroat um, this cutthroat industry, like you get a lot of no's before you get yeses and that could really hurt your self-esteem. But you know, have your safe spaces and then be your safe space as well. So what advice do you have for someone who is just, I guess trying to combat just rejection and all that stuff that comes with a performer no's are gonna come that's part of it and sometimes your no can lead to your yes when i got yolanda for crowns i was auditioning for a completely different show and the casting director remembered the work i did and she said i remember her i want her to audition for this and i got that role so you never know what your no can lead to so as long as you're doing the best job in the room that's all you can do they'll remember you so how supportive was your family through this whole journey that was just be, being a performer? They, they're my number one support system. I'm not gonna lie, I have um, Jamaican parents. So, you know, <laughs> being a performer, they're like, what? <laughs> they're like, what is this? Like, you know, you see nurses, doctors, lawyers, stuff like that, and they're like, hmm. So they weren't too sold at first, but then one day my mother sat me down and she was like, I believe this is what you're supposed to be doing. And ever since then, she's been my unofficial official momager. And anything I need, she's there. Drops everything, I'm there, that's my baby. And for this was no different. They were there for opening night, first performance, everything. That Anything they could be at, they're always there for me. 
and they love on me and that's what you need yeah you need nothing so what were your parents reaction when you decided to pursue it as a profession because i know you said like they were they weren't expecting this they were expecting like a nurse doctor or something other than that oh at first um when i would have conversations with my mother she's like we had an agreement that I would be a podiatrist. Who knew why? I was like only in the concept or in the mind frame of, oh, let me just do something that's going to make me money. And she's like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. So we would have conversations back and forth about it. It's like, this is what I really want to do. If if this is not what I'm majoring in, then honestly, I don't want to go to college if this is not what I'm going to pursue. Like, this is my dream. And so it would be conversations like that. Like, no, I thought you were going to do this route versus that route. But then she came to me and said, I support you. This is what I believe you're supposed to be doing. And she's been there ever since. Okay, great. So that's all the time that we have for Center Stage Bronx for today. It was nice talking to you. Nice talking to you too. <laughs> so we'll see you next week from 2 to 3 only on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com.